Hello, hello. My name is April Malone, and I'm with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have my good friend, Angela Norlene, with me. And Angela and I go way back to Minnesota. She's still there. Uh, Angela is a medical transcriptionist, otherwise known as a health documentation specialist. And we used to work together for a long time. So thank you for coming today, Angela. You're welcome. So Angela and I met each other. Let's talk about how we met for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I... We met at your wedding, didn't we? Like, we worked together, but yes. we never actually met each other. And then, um, yeah, you got married, and I was like, uh, I'm going to come to your wedding. <laughs> so that was the first yeah, time so we met. Yeah, so I'm so glad met. you did. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you brought along another lady who's now left us, but, um, like, um, that was great because we actually were really close friends, yeah. even at that time. Like, we had never met each other in person. Right. But, um I think we had been working together for, what, a year and a half, two years before that? Yeah, probably. We started working together in July of 2008, right, when I bought a house during the, like, housing market crash problem. And you were just coming back from attorney to leave. Is that, was that, like, fall of 2008? Let's see. So that would have been, like, around June or July of 2009. Right, Okay. Okay, so I have been doing this by myself without you for a year. <laughs> well, we, um, the reason I think we got connected is because we were both working that third shift yeah. schedule, and we usually didn't have supervisors with us. And so a lot of times when we were having, you know, technical problems or troubleshooting, we would have to rely on one another right. to try to problem solve. So, Angela, how long have you been doing this kind of work, medical transcription? So I have been... Um... Working at the clinic for 23 years, um, I started out as a medical secretary and worked on campus. And then um, after my second baby was born, um, I needed to work a job that was an off shift. So I transitioned from medical secretary to transcription because transcription was a 24-7 operation. So I, um, I worked second shift for a couple of years. And then um, now I've been working third shift for 14 years. When you had your first baby, what were you doing when you were on site? Was that baby going to daycare or how were you taking care of that? Yeah. Um, yes. Um, so she, she was going to daycare and then my sister and my mom um, weren't working at the time. So they would pick her up. So she would only go for a few hours a day to daycare. Um, but then they both started working. So then she was going full time. And well, when I was pregnant with my second baby and then after my second baby was born was when I decided I don't want two kids in daycare full time and my husband's job. So you wanted to pick an off shift. Yep. So that's why I switched out. So um, so then I worked second shift. So I would go to work when my husband came home. And so, yeah, that worked pretty well. Um, But I've always been kind of a night person. So when the opportunity came for me to go to third shift, I jumped on it. So what kind of hours were you working when you finally went to third shift? So I was mainly working like an 11 to 7 kind of shift or 11 to 7.30. Um, And then Mm -hmm. they allowed us to work 10-hour days. So, And that's what I do now. So now I work Monday through Thursday from like 9 p.m. until 7.30 a.m. 
I feel like you and I used to work the weekends together a lot, too. Yeah. When I was originally hired into that position, I was working. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> I I was hired in, you know, new. Yeah. And so I got the worst shift, and I was working 11 p.m. until 9 a.m., but it was, like, Friday, Saturday, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Yeah. So that was basically my whole weekend. I think you, over the years, have been able to kind of finagle a schedule that you like a little bit better. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. I used to work weekends, too, and... Then um, probably about five or six years ago, I got promoted to a lead position and on overnights, and there were two leads, and the other, um, the other lady that got hired, we both worked four tens, and she didn't mind working weekends, so she worked Thursday through Sunday, and I worked Sunday through Wednesday, so it worked out pretty good for me that she didn't mind working weekends. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was great. And that was right around the time that I had my third child. And actually, there was a big organization change in our department where all of a sudden people who always had to work nights and weekends were given the opportunity to change their shifts. Yeah. And I think we both agreed um, to stay on nights. Like at some point, we decided that was better for our family. Right. Um, Because of childcare, right? Right. And just because... I was able to take that time... I was just going to say just because I... I prefer to work overnights. I just have always been a night person ever since I was little. And I, we just did a, a shift change at work a couple of months ago and I had, I could have gone to first shift and I said, nope. Really? Still, even though you get, even though now that your kids are at school, sorry, I said that wrong. Even though your kids are at school now, you still wanted to keep third shift. Why is that? I think I'm just used to it. I, I like, um, I mean, I work from home, obviously, um, but it's quieter at night. You know, I don't have to deal with, like, I shouldn't say deal with people, but um, there's very <laughs> few of us on nights, and we're, uh, like, a tight-knit group, and um, and, the, and, I, and, there's a, and there's a big shift diff, too, like a shift differential pay that you get, so I didn't want to give that up either, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, I've just it's always been a, been a night person, so... When I was working part-time, it was, I think I was working uh, 0.7. So that'd be like 33 hours a week or so. Yeah. But I was actually getting paid about the same as working full-time. Right. So it's like you sacrifice your nights and your weekends, but you only have to work four days a week instead of five or something like right. that. I think I'd work three days one week and four days the next week. Yeah. Yeah. So... Let's talk about your husband and what he does and how you guys juggle having how many kids do you have? Well, we have six kids, but our um, our youngest is five and our oldest is 20. So our 20-year-old is away at college um, and she's married. She got married this past summer. Her husband is in the Air Force, so we don't see her very often because she's at college. And when she has a break from college, she usually goes to see him instead. <laughs> yeah, she has like two homes right now right Right. yeah like three I mean she's still I guess she doesn't really consider our house her home anymore but she's got her um her dorm room where she lives with her three friends um on campus and then her house on base in North Dakota so right um and so you guys were able to juggle your shifts so that you could are you still using daycare in any way right now or all the no, kids in we've, school now? No, we've never, um, we haven't used daycare since, um, since I started working at, in my current position. Um, and especially since I've been working from home, we've, we haven't had to use daycare because, um, 
well, I mean, I work at night, so usually the kids are in bed when I'm working anyway, but um, even if they're up, they can, they're older, they're older now, so they um, are self-sufficient and don't bother me too much, but um, yeah. And so, then you finish before they get to school? Yeah, I get off uh, work right before I have to get them up and get them ready for school, so yeah, it's a perfect hours. I feel like you always handled the third shift a little bit better than I did because I would always try to like sneak off and take a nap on my lunch hour. Oh, and yeah. I feel like you were able to just power through. Yeah, I never um, I never needed to take a nap. Uh, for, I was always afraid I wouldn't wake up for one thing. And um, yeah, I've just always. Probably because you knew that happened to me a few times. <laughs> I remember I had a few of you. Um, I would tell you, I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm worried I won't wake up. So here's my phone number. Yeah. And that's probably how we really started to get to know each other. There were a few of us, um, that like, if I'd say, if I'm not back by such and such time, could you please just like ring my phone? Even if you don't talk to me or just anything, just, I need the extra security. And, um, there were a couple of us that did that back and forth and it saved our butts a yeah. few times. There was a pretty strict policy about, you know, absences right. and, um, it wasn't anything to fool around with. Right. So. All right, so let's change gears a tiny bit and just chat, chat about, like, how you got started. Um, did you do any other work before you became a medical secretary slash transcriptionist slash documentation specialist? Yeah, so um, in high school, I worked at a group home. And then um, after my senior year, when I graduated, um, my husband and I were already engaged. We were high school sweethearts. We've been together for a long time and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I just decided to take a year off um, and just work full time at the group home. And one night I was working with my good friend, Beth, and she was like, you know, I'm really tired of this job. I'm going to go to the tech school tomorrow and just see what they have to offer. And I was like, Hey, I have tomorrow off. I'll go with you. So we went to the tech school and she, she was talking to the counselor and I was in there with her and she decided to sign up for this medical secretary program. And so I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do that with you. <laughs> so I signed up too. And did you have to pay for it? Yeah. Yes. We had, to, I had to pay for it. Uh, it wasn't that much. I mean, it was 25 years, 23 years ago, 24 years ago. Um, but yeah, I had to pay for it. Um, when I was hired, they actually were sponsoring people to, yeah. uh, I think they must have had a shortage. Right. And so they actually paid for, I had to go through like a crash course. It was like three months, right. super intense, yep. eight hours a day. But they were paying us like our hourly wage to go to school um, and study. Yeah, I know. And I then at the end, we were basically that. guaranteed a job. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we passed the test, but they took that away years ago. Yeah. Um, I think that towards the end, uh, this, this field has become so competitive that even, uh, that organization was only hiring like people from across the country who, you know, previously owned like a medical transcription company right. or like were, te you know, edu educators or, you know, um, it was extremely competitive. So let's talk about the, the change of that field over the years. What have you seen happen at your organization? Oh, well, there's been so many changes. I, um, I mean, from like the programs that we use to from we went from straight typing to um, um, like proofing, you know, and um, gosh, blanking. But the voice recognition voice technology recognition, has yeah. really changed that whole game. Yeah. yeah. So now we're not um, most of the notes come through already typed up and we just have to listen through and 
and make corrections. Um, so it's not so much straight typing anymore. It's more um, proofing and editing. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that aren't medical transcriptionists, it's kind of like when you're using Siri or Alexa or whoever to like dictate something and it makes a lot of mistakes and like you say something super embarrassing, that also happens to the doctors. Yeah. <laughs> or it's not even just embarrassing, but it can actually be like medically dangerous. Right. Um, if the voice, recogni voice recognition technology hears the wrong medication. Uh, you don't want someone basing, you know, further recommendations or treatment or even surgical decisions based on an error right. in a note. So, um, but quality is an issue right now because a lot of companies are pushing more and more for the doctors to do their own proofing or for the um, outsourcing uh, places um, here on the States and also elsewhere. All of the people that are transcribing aren't necessarily medically trained. Right. So, and um, at the uh, at the clinic where I work, um, there are, in the last two years, our department has gone from about 240 transcriptionists um, down to 49. There's only 49 of us left. And I mean, they cut, um, I mean, nearly 200 people um, because, you know, a lot of doctors are self-entering now. Um, there's a... Um, like the younger generation of doctors are coming in and they're, you know, self-entering their own notes. And we have actually more people in our QA department right now than we have in our actual transcription department. There are more people working in QA and proofing doctors self-entered notes than there are um, transcript. Uh, there are doc um, doctors um, dictating for us to transcribe. So, yeah, it's changed a lot. And I think that some of that has been pushed as, like, they've changed formats or platforms for the electronic record. Right. So I think now a lot of the um, platforms that people are using are more dependent on, like, forms and, right. you know, just ticking the boxes. Yep. And that's one reason that you see doctors looking at their computer while they're in the room with you because they're doing their note while they're talking to you. Right. Um, it's a lot to ask for a doctor to be responsible for. Yeah, I think it's... um. Um, all I of think that. it's very time consuming for them. I think it would just be easier for them to, you know, to pick up the dictaphone and, and, and say what they want their note. You know, I, I think, but times are changing. So Yeah, I think that, I think that the old way with the dictation, it was able, um, they were able to give a more personal narrative right. of the, the patient, like to talk about their journey and like, you know, the story of what happened and how they got here and how, what they've done. And now it's more, like I said, just ticking the boxes and it's not as personalized. Right. So I think you lose a little bit in that, but I understand like they're all trying to save money and, right. you know, meet regulations and all of that. So let's talk about what does your husband do? He works um, for a malting company he's the head of the maintenance department there so he um what is malting malting <laughs> i is didn't like, know what you um, meant the first time so you they, said that. they work um they make malt for like beer and um a lot of malt for like craft products and um and like the the new like I don't even know what kind of craft products you would use malt in. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, that one of their biggest um, suppliers is craft. And then also like the new, um, you know, there's a, like a lot of people starting up their own 
um, brewing companies. So they do a lot of the malt for those small companies also. Um, so he works, um, there are three branches. Uh, the main biz the main company is out of Europe. And then there's three um, plants in the United States, one in Minnesota, one in Wisconsin, and one in Montana. And has he always done that or has he done other work too? Um, yeah, he's done other work too. He went to school for carpentry. And so he did that for a while. And then um, and then he worked at the company. I didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> he went to the company where he's working now and got laid off. And, uh, I, and then while he was laid off, he started working at Slumberland selling furniture. And while he was doing that, that's when, um, when my... Um, my job decided that we could work from home. So this was 13 years ago. So he said, you know, I think I'm going to go to school for that. And then you and I can just work at home together. And so he did. And he, um, while he was in school, about a month before he finished school, someone from the company that he works at now came in to Slumberland to buy furniture. And they were like, hey, how come you never came back? And he said, well, they never called me back. And so the guy said, well, we have an opening right now. You should come right now and apply. And so he went there that day and got a job. And he did finish the the um, medical transcription program, but he never actually worked as a medical transcriptionist. <laughs> and he, oh, man. he started out in production, um, just on the production side of things. And then about four years ago, he got promoted to the to a management position, so. So medical transcription is kind of that work from home job that most people think of first. Right. Like a lot of people that know about working from home think about medical transcription and are like, I should just go through a program right now. What do you say to people who are interested in doing what you do? What do you say now? I, I don't even know <laughs> what you know. Yeah. I don't even know if they like offer it as a program anymore. I mean, I think that they probably offer like the medical secretary side of things, which, um, which also includes transcription, but I'm, I'm not sure that I would like encourage someone to go into this field right now, just because things are changing so much. And I think until things kind of stabilize and, or I don't know, stabilize really isn't the right word, but I think that I think that our um, skill set is still very useful, but they're not needing us as much as they were, you know, in the last 20 years. Um, so I think our, our, our jobs are going to be changing um, over the next 20 years to more of like a, like a quality, kind of like our quality department where we're going to be more proofing notes that doctors self-enter than actually transcribing ourselves. Mm -hmm. When I started, we were still literally typing every single word yeah. that they said yeah. from scratch. And then I think when my first daughter was born, that's when they, uh, so we've been working from home for some time and we never had to go on site, but we all were basically forced to go on site to go through the training to learn how to use the voice recognition technology. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people know the program, like, is it Dragon or yeah. um, that's not what we use, but we use something similar to it. And just having to, like, learn how to follow along and learn new keyboard shortcuts and just ways to navigate. 
um, to follow along and make those changes effectively and efficiently. Right. Um, and it did speed us up. I would say we probably increased our speed by what, like double? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. A lot. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Like, um, I would say when we were straight hand typing, um, I was typing like 14 or 15 minutes per hour of dictation. So, f- which is really fast because Angela, you're like a rock star at transcription. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But, um, once, um, the voice recognition and the, um, fluency program came along, um, you know, most people are up to 20 to 30 minutes per hour of dictation. So that just means for like every hour that someone talks, like if someone, t- if someone, t- um, dictated a note that was 30 minutes long, it would, it would take someone about an hour to an hour and a half to type that note. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are trying to get hired through programs like Rev or something like that, but, uh, they often pay you based on your, um, your productivity yeah, right, or yeah, how like many words you transcribe. And- and um, there is a tool that a lot of us transcriptionists use, which is a foot pedal. And I think if you don't have that foot pedal, it would really slow you oh. down. You want to? Do you still use a oh foot pedal gosh, now, or yes. is, it, is it gone? Oh no, you still use a foot pedal. I don't even know. How does it work? Tell I don't us. Even know how. It, it's so the foot pedal is basically like a sewing machine pedal, and um, on each so to play the dictation, you just put your um, foot on the, in the middle of the foot pedal. And then on one side, there's like a, a lever for rewind and a lever for fast forward. And so you basically just step on it like a sewing machine pedal. And then the the voice comes through your headset. (laughs) And you lift up your foot and it pauses. And I actually was starting to experience getting uh, tendonitis in my wrists from typing so much. And I also was getting it in my ankle or my, uh, my foot from that motion. Oh, you have to really? be kind of careful about your ergonomics. Yeah. Even, yeah, um, I, I probably had bad habits and a lot of stress in my life. But <laughs> <laughs> um, And there's even a thing that you can do. So for those of you who are needing to transcribe anything for yourself, like, for instance, um, okay, for this uh, interview, we're putting this not only into the podcast world on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and everything, but we're also putting it onto YouTube. And I'm actually doing closed captioning for this. And I've been doing them myself recently. I use a voice recognition technology uh, program called otter.ai. And that helps me um, transcribe my own note. But again, it's just filled, riddled with bad uh, punctuation and, and, you know, all the things that is autocorrecting, that's not, it's not right. Anyway, um, it still takes me a really long time. And one thing that I learned is that if you can slow down the speed of that voice when you are actually going through and editing and typing, it can actually help you type faster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you did that, but it helped me a lot when I, I always thought that in order to type faster, I would need to like listen faster right. and just be faster. But actually, I didn't have to pause and like rewind as often if I could just let it keep going. So when I listen to a podcast or a video, I almost always turn it up to like 1.5 or two two times the speed. But if I'm actually transcribing, I'm like at 0.75. Right. Um, what about you? What do you do? It often depends on like the, the dictator of the note. If it's, um, if it's like a foreign doctor, a lot of times I will slow them down because they're um, harder to understand. If it's a, if it's a doctor that talks super slow and like, um, that's our favorite kind, yes, isn't it? <laughs> because then you can like speed it up to like 
1.5 and you can finish a 20 minute note in 15 minutes. <laughs> it makes your productivity look amazing. Yes, it really does. Uh, for those of us that are on a production schedule, um, you know, there's a lot of metrics that they're following yeah. to see like how fast are you? Like how much are you producing in one shift? Um, we were, we were hourly work. I was an hourly worker. You are. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, I guess, for them, it's safeguards to make sure that we're not just locking off at right. home, but they can actually see how much you're pushing that pedal, how much you're letting up the pedal, how long you've had pauses. Right. Like, did you take a 15-minute break three times in that shift? There's a lot that they're following. Yeah. So I remember there was a specific doctor who we would just basically, like, rejoice if we got his note because it'd be, like, 45 minutes long, yes. and you could, like, speed type it. <laughs> I have a few of those where they pop up and I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Six saves the day. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about being an hourly worker. <laughs> yeah. You have to clock in and clock out. Right. Um, what's that like? Um, yeah, it's it's fine. Um, so w- right now with my um, position, um, I have a window so my window is 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And just in that window, I need to work 10 hours. Um, but I can't work 10 hours straight. If you work more than six hours, you need to take a lunch break. So basically, between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m., I need to put in 10 and a half hours. Unless I... Including... Yeah, yeah unless I took like an hour break somewhere, then I would just, you know, work five hours, take an hour break, work five hours, or... Mm-hmm. So I basically, my window starts at eight and I normally just start at like eight forty-five or nine because I have to get my kids up at seven thirty. So, I mean, it doesn't really pay for me. And then I can spend more time with them before I start work and before they go to bed. So we just have like, um, a time card program on our, on the computer that we, that we, it's basically like a like a punch card, you know, so you just go in and punch in and use that, um, that same system to punch out for breaks or punch out for lunch. Or if you're watching a meeting, you have to punch out of like a productivity pay code into a miscellaneous pay code. So. Mm -hmm. Or education or something like that. Yeah. When I was working with you, it, they were much more strict about our schedule. Yeah. We had to log in at a certain time. Right. We had to have approval um, ahead of time if we wanted to um, to take time off. But actually, because it was 24-7 and for a hospital environment, uh, we had to work holidays. Right. And so I know you and I worked a lot of Thanksgivings and Christmases and all the things together, um, which we only had to work one out of six in a year, but I, I was so. usually working five or six. And do you want to talk about why? <laughs> Do you remember the coupon? Do oh, they yes. still give coupons Yeah, they now? used to give you coupons if you volunteered to work. And then you, it was like undeniable PTO. So if you wanted a day off and it wasn't available, you could cash in your coupon to take the, to be able to take it. But What was terrible, though, is the people that were working Monday through Friday, they had every weekend off. Right. But we were scheduled to work every single weekend. And if we wanted to take a Saturday night off yeah. for like a wedding or something like that, we actually had to take pay time off. And so... Right. You know, the fact that we were only working three or four days a week, or at least I was, you know, we had a few days built in, but they weren't the days that you wanted to take off. Right. And so I was working, you know, Fourth of July, yeah. <laughs> Labor Day, Memorial Day. And uh, when I was working uh, and I moved away, yeah. I actually could work on site. Like I could drive yeah. back in up to Minnesota to see my family and I could actually drive on site and go 
and go work. Um, they have like a drop-in desk, yeah. a few of yeah. them for people that like if they had technical problems. Uh, did you ever have to use that? No, I never did. Oh my knock, goodness, I, I used knock it. On um, <laughs> yeah, I never. Yeah. I, I never... Well, I I always lived. I always lived too far away to actually have to be able to go in during technical problems. Right. I just have to like talk to the supervisor and make it up somehow. But when I was coming home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, it kind of stunk because, you know, I would go and see my family and then I would have to drive in yeah. and sit all night and work. And actually, like when I was nursing the babies and everything, um, my husband would even have to drive them in yeah. and I'd have to like get him logged in in the middle of the night into this building. I'd have to like go up and like sign him into a book. And he would come in and we would go into that lactation room yeah. and I would like literally nurse the baby in the lactation room. Um, and then he would leave and drive home. It was a 20 minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the commute. So you used to commute. It was, right. you, you don't live close to where you were. No, it's, um, it's an hour one way. So I was commuting two hours a day back and forth. So when I was working I like 10 to- hours, it was, it was a 12 hour day for me with the commute you were talking the other day and you you added it up how many hours a week were you commuting yeah so it was uh it was like 12 hours no it was like 14 and a half once you added in like because it took an hour to get there but then you know to be able to park your car and get into the building and you know get situated punch in and, you know it ended up being like and so a two-hour drive each day but then a half an hour extra just to get so it was, yeah, like 14 and a half hours, 15 hours a week just in the commute. Right. Yeah. So now you have six kids. Right. And which I tell everyone there's no and you way had a- I would, that we would have been able to have such a large family if I was still commuting to work. So let's talk about that. We, um, we both had, <laughs> we both had pregnancies while we were working together yeah. and, uh, because my my family lives far away. I'm in Arizona now, and my family's in Minnesota, and my husband's is in Arkansas and Missouri and Tennessee and everywhere. Um, so he he always wanted to kind of keep it quiet if we were pregnant yeah. in order to you know be able to tell family in person. Right. But I just couldn't contain myself, and so Angela, I think, was the first to know. Um, basically, every time I know, and <laughs> I, got I think you were the you were the first to know with at least the last two, if not the last three. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think actually yep. with and, um, the last two, you might have known before my husband even knew because <laughs> like I would take a pregnancy test at night and you'd be working and I'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think my husband knew first, but yeah, that's possible that could have happened. Yeah. Um, but you gave me some excellent advice because I was really nervous. Like, how am I going to be able to work and have a newborn in the house? Yeah. And I asked you. Um, what do you do? Like, cause you can, especially back then when they were really strict about how often we could take a lunch, it was strict. Uh, they were 30 minutes. And if you wanted to go into an hour, I think you sometimes even had to ask permission and they were very, um, you know, you had to log in at a certain time and log out. And when, about five years ago, when we both had our our last kid, we, we were given the opportunity to change our schedule. And like I said earlier, we both ended up keeping the third shift. And that's when I used my opportunity to advocate for myself. I had read Tim Ferriss's book on the four-hour work week. And even though none of the stuff that he talked about applied to me as an employee like that, um, something that he said just sparked something in me. And I went to the supervisor and I was like, hey, 
I'll do this for you, but this is what I want you to do for me. And I actually was able to get a 90-minute flexible lunch. And so they basically said I could take 90 minutes of lunch every night. Um, and I could take it as three 30-minute lunches or two 45-minute lunches yeah. or an hour and then 30 minutes. And it was amazing yeah. for when I was able to, you know, have my baby, especially that third one. Because it was, you know, my husband would take the baby to me. And that the advice that you gave me was put a pillow on your lap. Yeah. And, like, normally you don't want to try to type with the baby in your lap. Um, but if you need to, it's not great for your arms, but um, it can get you through in a pinch. Right. I did that a lot. I I learned it from yeah, you. <laughs> I did that with my last four kids. I every single one of them nursed for eighteen months. Never once had a bottle. I never ever pumped. Um, yeah, I would just lay a pillow in my lap and and they would they would nurse and I would just type over the top of them. I have a lot of respect for people who do um, pump and all of that because it's very time consuming. And I feel like we were able to just save a lot of money. We didn't have to buy all of that stuff. And we were able to save a lot of time to just get it one one and done. You know, Um, I remember I asked you uh, before I think I was must have been pregnant. And I think I just asked you, do you feel like you're a stay at home mom or do you feel like you're a working mom? Because you're at home. Do you remember what you said? Um. Well, I don't remember what I said, but I think, I I mean, I feel like a working mom. I mean, um, although like a lot of people, a lot of like my, my kids, friends, parents are like, oh, so you just are a stay at home mom. And I was like, no, I, I work, you know, I, I like some people don't even realize that I work because, you know, I, but because I work from home and I don't really, you know, talk about it much or whatever, it doesn't come up or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people don't realize that I ha- I do have a full-time job. I do work. <laughs> I worked all night, actually, while you were yeah, sleeping. Yeah, I had to start telling my friends, um, I work third shift, and I, I've only slept like 90 minutes last night, so if I can't make words today, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, so you met me at my wedding. Um, it was actually my wedding reception up in Minnesota. And then when the next time I saw you, you gave me four totes of baby clothes. So I had only met Angela one time and she had already had four girls and she didn't know if she was going to have any more kids and gave me all of her baby clothes, which was amazing because I was having a girl. And then you had, and then I had another girl and then I had, and then I finally had a boy. So I got five girls and my youngest is a little guy. So, so I think we're a good example of people who have gotten to know each other virtually. Um, We got to know each other virtually through like the chat program, whatever it was called, like the Skype version of whatever it was. Um, Mostly just text, right? Like, yeah. We would try not to interrupt each other too much, but sometimes we would kind of get going a little bit. And so we, it's not like we were picking up the phone and talking. We were just texting right. uh, on Skype or whatever it was called. And, um, but we've been able to meet up a few times. And I, I really appreciate having a friend I can go see when I go back to Minnesota. Yeah, it's fun. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we went camping. You, you came out and visited us at a campsite and. What else have we done? You guys came and visited us. Yeah, well, when we had our second baby. Yeah, when you, I, you were, I, where were you in? Were you in Springfield at the time? No, where were you? In, no, we were in Southern Illinois. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you drove like nine hours. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> with all of your kids. Yeah, that was fun though. Was we had, we had a blast that time when we came to see you. We did a lot of fun stuff. 
We went to the City Museum in St. Louis, yeah. which, by the way, if you've never been there, in the middle of the United States in uh, St. Louis, there's a place called the City Museum, and it's good. It's amazing, yeah. So how do you stay active? You work from home, and then you sleep in the daytime. Yeah. What do you do to get out and get – how do you stay um, Well, I love to busy? I love to bike. Um and and I like to walk. I don't run. My husband is a marathon runner. He just ran a half marathon last weekend, but I don't run. <laughs> um, but I love to <laughs> <Me> walk. <either. laughs> and um, my husband and I walk every night together just to get kind of away from the kids for half hour, 45 minutes and um, have an adult conversation without the kids around. Um, so we do that every every night. Um, and then I try to bike at least a couple times a week when the weather is decent, but I've been slacking lately. Um, also, right. um, I am a, a Girl Scout leader for um, a couple of my kids' troops. Um, so I've been a leader for 12 years. So that keeps me busy too, um, just planning stuff for our meetings and and all of that. Um, and then. And keeps you involved in the community yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I like it. Um, I have. Between the two troops that I have. I have about 18 girls. In my troops. So it's fun. And then. Um, have you always done two troops? That's a lot. <laughs> um, no. I usually have only done one troop. But my. Youngest little girl Peyton. When she was in kindergarten, there wasn't anybody to lead a troop for her. So I said, well, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have, um, in our small t uh, community that we live in, I am the girl set leader for kindergarten through kindergarten first, second, and third. And then no. Yeah. Basically kindergarten through sixth grade. And then I have, um, <laughs> I have a helper that helps me with the third and fourth grade troop. Wow. And now you're in a small town, right? Yeah. Yep. Right by the river? Yep. Kind of on the and your kids are Minnesota, at school? Wisconsin border. Yeah. Yep. Yes. My right. kids are at school. And your kids are all going to school this year. Right. Um, they're in school full time right now. Um, on Wednesdays, um, our elementary kids have a half a day of school. Um, and uh, our high school kids are distance learning on Wednesdays. So then in the after, in the mornings on Wednesdays, they do like a clean sleep, quick, a clean sweep of the high school, um, like a, a deep cleaning. And then once the elementary kids go home at noon, they do a deep cleaning of the elementary school. And my husband's on the school board. So now board. you can sleep when your kids. What's that? Oh, right, right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, my husband's on the school board, so he was able to advocate for the kids going back to school. I know it's a it's a hot topic right now, but but I, my kids did not like the distance learning. Although I I realize that it's it is um for some people that does work better, but for us, my kids would rather be in school, and I would rather them be in school. <laughs> We live in a small community, and our um, our our rates are very, very, very low. So, if I lived in a bigger community where the um, the cases were higher, I might have a different opinion on sending my kids back to school. 
Does your school offer any other choices this year? Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want, if you want to keep your kids distant learning, um, we have a, the Minnesota Virtual Academy is actually based out of our um, high school. So um, you can do the Minnesota Virtual Academy, or if you want to like stay enrolled in the school, you can do the online learning um, with your class. The, the Some of the classrooms have cameras in the room. So like you are watching class on your computer and still able to participate and the teacher can talk to you still and so they have wow, a lot so of options. Wow, so there's two different virtual options. Yeah, yep. Oh, you haven't told me yet about your um your exercise bike inside. Oh, yeah. So um like last year um uh, my department um we had some special projects that we worked on that weren't um transcription um, that we could do, uh, um, we did it for like two hours of our shift and they offered, um, unlimited overtime doing it. And, um, it was basically like, um, like chart review. So if he, if, if a doctor sent in outside records, you would just go through and make sure that it got filed correctly. And like the, the paper wasn't upside down or something like that. Um, so another way that I kept active then was I had a, um, just a foot pedal under my bike. So when I was working or a foot pedal under my desk. So when I was working, I would just pedal my foot pedal. I have it here. I can show it to you. So it's, so it's a foot pedal. That's not the same kind that you use for transcription. It's right. like yep. your, Oh, it looks like a bike. Yeah. So you can put that under. So it's like short. Yep. It's like what a foot and a half, two feet tall yeah, it's and it's short big. and you can put it under your desk and actually like, use it like you're pedaling, like you're sitting in your own chair Yeah, and you stick your feet in yep. there. Yep. Do you feel like it actually helps you burn calories or is it more for like motility and like, oh, yeah. it definitely helps you burn, cal <laughs> uh, burn calories. And I would put my Fitbit around my ankle and then I would get steps for it also. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I was in like step challenges, I was really pedaling, <laughs> but I wow. have to give my, Oh, and you mentioned earlier, I have to give my sister credit for that because she was the one she, um, she works um, at the same clinic as I do, and she used to do transcription, but now she switched to a different department. Um, so that was that was her find. She found that on uh, Amazon and got one, and then I was like, I need one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were all together training for the, um, how, what do we call that? Back in, right before I ended up leaving the clinic, we were all studying to be certified for, what was that called? Certified healthcare do documentation. Uh, oh yeah. CHDS. So certified healthcare documentation specialist. Yes. And you went through with it. I actually ended up not finishing because then I didn't end up staying at the clinic. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I for went me. through all the training. Um, and then I took the test and it was, uh, it was a super intense test. And, um, so you, the, the first part of the test is registered healthcare documentation specialist. So you, you take that part of the test and if you pass, you can move on to the second part of the test. So, um, I took the test and I was, when I finished and submitted it, I was like, oh, there's no way I passed that. But then I did pass it and, and then, um, and then I did the, the second part and passed that. So. Yeah, so I got my certification three years ago, and then I just recertified this past July. So, and to stay certified, you have to get so many 
um, like education credits. Um, so it's like, it was way more intense than what we studied to become yes. medical transcriptionists. It was like literally the next level. Yeah. I felt like I was studying like to be a doctor. Yeah. I mean, like you really had to get in there yeah. and know those words. Yeah, it was. Um, I always tell people I can spell the words, but I don't necessarily know like where that is or what it yeah. means. <laughs> and I think that to go through that program, you really have to like understand. So you're less likely to make, you know, errors right. in the medical record. Right. Do you feel like getting that certification helped you with your job security in terms of like, you know, they've had so much restructuring yeah. in your department now? Um, you just talked about 200 people got let go and um, or were able to like, I think they were able to get another job yeah. or they had some time, right? Yeah, they had some. Um, the, the clinic helped them find other positions within the clinic if that's what they wanted um, or if mm -hmm. they if they wanted to to leave and look elsewhere that some people did that too. But a lot of people stayed at the clinic and just um, transitioned into other roles. Um, and I, I don't really know if it helped me. Um, because like I said, you're a rock star. <sighs> I mean, like you definitely have been around and you can type super fast and you have the certification, but you. Yeah. Uh, um, some, some of my coworkers that had the certification got let go and some of us got kept. So, and some people that got kept don't have the certification. So, so I don't know if it, I mean, I'm, it didn't hurt me obviously, but yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it was um, one of the factors in them keeping me. When I left the position, it was back when they offer like a separation package. Yeah. So they basically said, we're going to be uh, restructuring because we're implementing this new program, Epic, and it's just going to change the whole flow of right. the organization. And we're just not going to need as many. And over the years, I, I would give them credit. They really did a good job at always giving people a chance to get a different job. And this time they were like, you can voluntarily separate. It's not necessarily severance. They called it the separation package. Yeah. You're not being laid off. You're not being fired. Right. Um, you can choose. And at that point, I had already started teaching English as a second language. And I kept telling you and other people, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so fun. Yeah. But, of course, I need to stay. I've got my pension. I've got my benefits. Right. I've got the health care, you know, um, insurance for our whole family at the time. And it was right after my husband was hired at um, – his company as a, he had been contract before and then this was his full-time position and he all of a sudden had benefits. Yeah. And so for the first time I was like, oh my goodness, I think I actually could, you know, do this English thing full-time and it really was fun. Yeah. Um, so I was one of the few people who had training outside of uh, transcription. A lot of people that are in that field have been doing it for 30, 40 years. Right. So, all right. Do you have anything else you want to share with people who are just getting started and um, not in medical transcription, but getting started working from home for the first time? Like, have you learned any tips or tricks along the way that you feel might be helpful to people? Um, I would say that even though you're working from home, try to try to separate your work from from your home life. Like, I don't even go near my workstation when I'm not scheduled to work. You know, I don't think about it. I don't turn on my computer. Um, I try to separate the, my work from my, from my home, even though I work at home, I try to separate the two. Now, are you, um, since you're hourly, you can, you can just turn it off at the end of your shift right. and you don't have to keep coming back, but do you ever have opportunity 
to work extra, like yeah. we talked about the vacations earlier. Right. Well, about a year ago, um, they had they were offering overtime, um, and so I did work a lot of overtime because my daughter was getting married and I needed the extra money. Um, but yeah, but if overtime's not available, then I don't. I mean. And I never asked you, where is your workstation set up in your home? So it's set up, um, we have a, like a two-story house. And our downstairs is mainly just an open area where we have like, like a family room, living room area, and then the kitchen and the dining room. And so my workspace is just in a corner of our family room downstairs. Um, and then upstairs is like a family room and all the, and I, and there's a bathroom down here and I said the kitchen. Um, so I decided to put my workstation down here because since I work third shift, um, everybody's asleep upstairs and there's, um, a bathroom down here in the kitchen. So I don't have to, you know, go past any, anybody's bedroom to use the bathroom or get a drink or a snack or anything like that. I think being that close to the kitchen would be problematic for me. <laughs> it is sometimes very problematic. And, and you know, sometimes working at night, you, I mean, you get tired and you just need something crunchy. <laughs> Keep yourself awake. Yep. Carrots. <laughs> Eat the carrots. <laughs> oh, man. I have loved getting to see you. And I know that you aren't normally on camera. Like, this is kind of a, well, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, you can't see, but Angela is on camera with me today, and that's not part of your job. No. Like, you're not normally in meetings online, no. so. I normally don't see anyone. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, I get to, like, put some makeup and some earrings on today. Because <laughs> <Yeah>, from <laughs> working so from much. home, I don't, I have to, you know, a lot of times it's a few days before I put actual clothes on. <laughs> if I don't have to go right, anywhere. right. right. Yes, uh, I enjoyed that. Now I'm on camera all the time, yeah. but I enjoyed, like, literally nobody could see you. Like, there wasn't a camera. Like, there was not, like, the possibility of there being a camera because there just wasn't one. Yeah. And that was kind of nice. Yeah. Well, I know we could go on and on and on, but I think we're running out of time here. I want to thank you again for being brave and coming yeah. on camera with me well, today and or me. recording this podcast. It was fun. It's so fun yeah. and to get to catch up, too. So... All right. Well, this is uh, Yes, I Work From Home. And thank you, Angela and Arlene, for coming today. Yeah, thank you. We'll see ya. Bye. Bye-bye. This is an exciting week here for us at Yes, I Work From Home. Our podcast has officially been accepted on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you can find your podcasts. Go ahead and go to our website if you're interested in seeing the transcript, the video, www yesiworkfromhome.com forward slash podcast. There you can also find a button that if you're interested in being an interview guest on our show, you can fill that out and let us know a little bit about you, what you do, who you help, and why you want to be on the show. See you next time. Thank you so much.